Hello there, and welcome to Fuzz on Film. This is our intermission episode for August, though sort of general catch-up episode, where this month we've seen, well, not a lot to be honest, so we'll not be bothering you for long. I'm Drew, over there, Scott. Well, hello. And we're going to talk about, oh god, a Fast and Furious film, another one. <laughs> Scott. It's the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Now, it is, of course, traditional for us in these reviews to express our bafflement that Fast and the Furious became a thing in the first place, and that also that it continued to be a thing, indeed a thing, so successful there is now a spin-off thing. So let's not retread that too much and just instead get straight into this not-diesel-fueled outing. Hobbs and Shaw sees, as you might expect, the mismatched odd couple of The Rocks, one of them, and Jason Statham's other of them, teaming up despite their continuing distaste for each other to take on a bit of business at the behest of the CIA. It seems a MI6 operative sent to retrieve an exceptionally deadly weaponised virus has gone rogue, killing her team and vanishing. But the sting in the tail here is the operative is Vanessa Kirby's Hattie Shaw, Deckard's sister. However, we, and before very long, her other protagonists know that she's being set up by the shadowy, mysterious Eteon Corporation creators of the virus, who want it back to complete their flat-out Bond villain, Moonraker, spy who loved me-esque scheme of killing the weak and repopulating the Earth with their superpowered machine-human uh, hybrids, or hyborgs, as I believe is the term. Chiefly, these hyborgs are represented by Idris Elba's blokey bloke Brixton, whose history with Shaw completes the retcon of Statham's face turn, insofar as anyone could laughingly apply continuity to this franchise. Now, this is my absolute least favourite type of film to talk about, something I watched and enjoyed well enough in the cinema for what it was, and intended to be, and in the normal course of things, I could go about the rest of my life and never think about it again, apart perhaps from the odd memory of some of the dafter sections. But no, I had to go and do a podcast, which means remembering the just plain bad bits, and giving the structure the very slightest of taps, and watching it fall apart like the Blues Wheel at the end of the Blues Brothers. Talking about this film requires thinking about it, and if ever there was a film designed not to be thought about, it's Hobbs and Shaw. In common with 90% at least of the films we talk about, it's at least half an hour too long. It comes to a logical end point after destroying uh, Etion's Eastern European facility O-Evil, including a flamethrower wielding Eddie Marsden, which is a high watermark the series frankly will never match again. But anyway, it stumbles onwards to a final showdown in Samoa, which has Vin Diesel's fingerprints all over it. Um, I, I can only imagine earlier drafts ended well before this, but on submission for approval he was all like, hang on, <coughs> I'll try the voice. There's not enough talk about family in here. Go away and add in a bunch of stuff about family. Just slap it in anywhere, that's fine. Thank you. Uh, it's not that these sequences are significantly worse or better than any of the other stretches of the film. It's just too much. It's, that happens a lot. The first few times the Rock and Statham settle in for an insult session, I found it funny enough, but the last time seemed awfully forced. I would even give the initial Ryan Reynolds Deadpool as a CIA agent stick a pass as being funny enough on the first time, but the no. second and the third time, so forced. I protest. <laughs> Uh, ditto Kevin Hart's turn um, Ditto, well, pretty much every single element of the film uh, We could talk about the plot, I suppose But I'm not going to Look, it's, it's very, very silly But in common with the rest of the series It's not occurring here on Earth Prime But some alternate version where cars and bikes And technology and reality Do not follow the same rules as they do here So I could tell you how dumb the handling of the virus is Or even how fancy advanced bikes Should obey the laws of physics Or several dozen other things that you could call a plot hole, but, well, as they're fairly transparently hand waves to get to the next action sequence, I don't see the point in bothering. 
it's the same shtick as the rest of the series, really, just much more blatant. And if you've got to this point, making your peace with the mainline Fast and Furious series, then I can't see this annoying you any more than they did. Hobbs and Shaw is objectively a bad film, for the reasons stated above. As an explosion and fight scene delivery vector, there's a bit more of a defence. I did enjoy these sections, and of course The Rock and Jason Statham are just much more likeable than the rest of the mainline cast. But I'm not going to defend this opinion with facts. Uh, Despite it being awful, I liked it. It's perhaps not the biggest big dumb action film of the year, but it's certainly the dumbest. So if you want a big dumb action film, then this delivers. But if you want anything more than that, then, well, continue your search, because you ain't getting it here. I liked it very much in spite of itself, but uh, yes, I, I have no interest in ever seeing this again or anything else that it does and that it's set up for a sequel. It's like, nah. <laughs> Just, nah. <laughs> no, no thanks. I honestly don't understand why I keep subjecting myself to these things. <laughs> um, yeah. It's almost certainly to do with the fact that I'm a completionist. Hmm. Um, perhaps you could describe that as slightly obsessive. In that I've watched all of the other Fast and Furious films, I figured I need to watch this. It will vaguely bother me to not have watched this. <laughs> but, oh, crikey, this is a terrible film. <laughs> and once again, I'm struck by, I'm talked about, every time we talk about the Fast and Furious, we talk about the same thing, Scott, about how this is a series that began as an investigation by an undercover police officer into a street racing gang who were stealing truckloads of um, electronics oh, gear. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. It has now become somehow actual sci-fi. Yeah. How? And yeah. I'm not exaggerating, not just like Idris Elba's magical bike and all of the other nonsense. Like, no, he's an actual magical man. Who's, he's basically a Terminator. They even make yeah. that a reference in the film, but no, he he's a Terminator with a magic spine and all the magic AI, it's, like, it, it's happening in an entirely different world now. <laughs> yeah, it started on the ground, now it's in space, and I suspect the next one will be in space. And I don't it's... understand how it got there. <laughs> and it was bad enough that it, it got to the point where Vin Diesel and his family were saving the world from various threats, but, well, no, it's taken a completely different step this time. It's... It's so stupid and I hated almost every minute of it. <laughs> I mean, there were bits of promise towards the start because it's perhaps it's the reason why I really I was I was actually okay with watching this in that the best thing about the last Fast and Furious film by far yeah. was Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham because they were yeah. the only two people in the whole film who were not taking it seriously <laughs> yes. who understood exactly how stupid it was <laughs> and I thought right a whole film was that that, that might be fun but it, it's not and to a degree they're still probably the two people not really taking it seriously except that it's not consistent because for part of it they seem to be Yeah, and as you say the the snipe in between them does begin to feel very laboured towards the end of the film. It's like they've run out of all ideas of anything they could legitimately say to each other. Yeah, they, they do it with pretty much every single element of this film. They just go back to the well once, at least probably two or three times more than they need to yeah, for it. Yeah. It's like there's, like, there's a really entertaining 90-minute film in here. It doesn't need to be 
this long, and I don't, I've not looked up how long it is. It felt like it was getting on for three hours. It can't be that, but but it's, it's certainly over two. I it's think. over two, I think. Yeah, hundred and thirty minutes. Some sounds about right. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be. I mean, no. this is ninety minutes at a stretch, and you'd get everything you need to do out of this. And I mean, all of it's setting up a villain that you don't even see at the end of the day. It's, it's yeah. just it's frustrating that it would do that. I mean, it could just be a daft little action film and it didn't outstay its welcome and used its, used its cast appropriately, but no, it just had to keep on going because I, I don't know why. I mean, is, has someone done the numbers in the studios? Because I always thought it would be better to make shorter films then you could get more showings in the day and you might make more money, but I guess they, they, they've run the numbers and thought, no, if we make longer films it'll take up more cinema space and then it'll crowd out other films and that's how we make more money. I'm sure this has got to be uh, this kind of running time inflation has got to be some sort of studio execs pushing at buttons rather than anyone wanting to tell a story of over two hours for Hobbs and Shaw because it doesn't warrant it on any creative level. Yeah, I know. It's like, if you have something like The Lord of the Rings you're trying to adapt, mm. that deserves the time that it got because it's such a dense thing, it's, it's such a big story, so many actual characters who are given time to be characters. Yeah, Something like this, I don't understand that time at all. I also don't understand why nobody's calling the villain in the Skynet, because basically it's Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> There were a couple of scenes, I guess, that I found quite entertaining. The car chase through Glasgow, I actually quite enjoyed. Sorry, um, London. Yes, <laughs> that's right, Scott, London. <laughs> Not just because I was quite enjoying seeing quite clearly yeah. Glasgow and wondering, yes. is this the fifth or sixth time they've been through the Merchant City? Because yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> they were just doing laps of it, weren't they? Yeah, could you stop showing the Italian centre, please? <laughs> Oh, George Square for the 18th time. Okay, that's still kind of fun. But because that was, to a degree, real. Certainly, it looked like it was like a real car chase. Um, but the McLaren looked real. I'm not convinced about the bike at any point. But yeah. <laughs> the wee bits like that is fun. And some of the interplay between Hobbs and Shaw is entertaining. But Ooh. then, you'll remember my curse of memory, Scott? And yeah. by uh, my other curse of not being able to not think about stuff. <laughs> so I think about these things. And I'm watching this film, I'm thinking, they're talking about this sister that's never been mentioned before and completely ignoring his brother. Um, and the fact that um, this character had nothing to do with MI6 at all. You've invented all of this, just hoping that nobody would remember. Uh, maybe most of the people who watch these films don't remember. I do. Yeah. You can't they just change the character completely. Yeah, they mentioned his brother like one bit very throwaway as well, a sop to that, but it doesn't make any sense. So it's just like he's a good guy now. Try not to think about it. Well, at some point would, they mentioned him murdering his brother, but that yes. didn't happen. Yes. <laughs> the last time we saw the Vin Diesel tried to murder his brother, mm. and that's why he came into the thing in the first place. And no, no, I need to stop thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, this is from the same director as Deadpool 2, I think. Is that right? Lord knows. <laughs> I, think I, I, I think that's why um, Brian Reynolds was in it. Hmm. And Eddie Marson, I guess. But uh, Deadpool 2 is an awful film. I thoroughly hated Deadpool 2. Um, so this is maybe part of the reason I, I dislike this film so much because it um, has a director in common. But also, um, from the millisecond that Ryan Reynolds appeared. I despised everything about him and everything he did and said in this film because I do not like Ryan Reynolds. He's particularly awful in this film. <laughs> and he keeps coming back mm. and it's awful and forced and it's it's a bad Ryan Reynolds performance 
from somebody who has almost never done a good performance ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then also, screw you, Ryan Reynolds, and the director and the writer, because if you've not seen season eight of Game of Thrones, don't watch this film because she'll tell you the ending. <laughs> Actually, tells you the ending. So that was good of them because I mean that's only been. Um, that's an exceedingly long time of three months since that programme finished. Yeah, get with the times, Drew. You need uh, to watch everything simultaneously as soon as it comes out. Yeah, that's that's just that's, defensive. There's no yeah. reason for it to be there. I don't understand why that's there. Yeah, it's not even part of a joke. Yeah. It's just something that they say for some reason. Yeah, I mean, this, was, um, this wasn't filmed until after that was finished. They've gone back to add that at some point in the last month or so. Yeah. For what reason? Other than it seemingly is an F you to um, fans in the cinema for good, no good reason. For anybody yeah. who hasn't seen that yet. Like, if people talk about, say it's on a podcast or something, people talk about that and it's kind of like, sort of like a water cooler kind of conversation. Like, And you might be making references to how that programme ended and people weren't happy with it. Okay. But just in the end of your action film, it has nothing to do with it in any way whatsoever to specifically mention how this very popular programme ended. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> so it's, I, I hate everyone in this film and everyone involved with this film. And I, I think I may have finally broken my compulsion to see any more Fast and Furious films. And I'm certainly hoping so. <laughs> well, I said that round about Fast and Furious 5, so... <laughs> yes. I have problems, but the problems were mine. <laughs> so five stars, says Drew Tavendale. Is this the number of shurikens I want to throw at Ryan Reynolds' stupid face? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so let's stop talking about this dumb, 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 dumb film, which I think is dumb and... <clears throat> now, I said to you before we started recording, Scott, that I had almost nothing to say about this film, but I almost certainly I would end up saying lots about it anyway. Yeah. There we go. To thine own self be true, I guess. I, I, I know what, what my faults are. <laughs> at least it's raised your blood pressure. Yeah, that's good, because I was in need of that. Uh, right, let's stop talking about this utter pish and move on to something else which, well, from what you've told me before, may also largely be utter pish. Um, yeah, it's, it's a step up, maybe, but not much. I didn't, probably didn't enjoy it much. Anyway, we're, we're talking about The Sun is Also a Star, in which uh, Yara Shahidi's Natasha Kingsley is an overly rational physics student based in New York who doesn't believe in love, and Charles Milton's Daniel Bay is a romantic with a belief in destiny, both in general and specifically that he's destined to be a poet and not the medical doctor that his parents are railroading him into becoming. Natasha's got her own concerns with parents, namely launching a last-ditch effort to stop them being deported back to Jamaica tomorrow. She's off to see an immigration lawyer when a rogue car almost knocks her over, but she's saved by, would you believe, Daniel, and so begins a whirlwind romance of the sort you've seen a couple of dozen times before, certainly if you're as old as I am. Now, there's not a great deal more to it than that, really. It's primarily about the characters of Natasha and Daniel, and they're getting to know each other and falling in love before being ripped apart, which, if we're being brutally honest, isn't all that well sketched out and is just a clutch of coincidences masquerading as destiny that doesn't really add up to very much. It is to Shahidi and Melton's credit that something so flyaway isn't a total drag as they both have charm and charisma to spare, which this film coasts by on entirely. Now, I 
don't really want to be too harsh about this film. It's entirely inoffensive stuff, and it doesn't really deserve the box office battering that it's taken. I must also recognise that I am at least 20 years outside of its target audience. Uh, That said, it is tough to recommend anyone actually go out of their way to see this. There's so many better examples of the type, and while this is one of the very few to feature two non-white leads, the representation doesn't overcome the lack of inspiration shown in the rest of the film. Soft pass. Yes, it isn't dreadful. It's entirely adequate as a film, but honestly, not an awful lot to say about it, not an awful lot to really get your teeth into with it. It is um, vapid Sunday afternoon viewing at best. Again, just very tough to recommend that anyone make the effort of going to a cinema to see it. If you stumble across it, it's probably it would pass a couple of hours, but... Um, I don't think you would learn anything during the course of that. Yeah, um, I, I have nothing to say. You said you were going <laughs> to watch it. I looked it up because I heard of it. It's like a nope. romance based on a young adult novel, Hard Pass. Thank you. <laughs> I believe you've also watched another thoroughly wonderful film that, um, yeah, well, at least it sounded more interesting to begin with. Yes. I'll say that. Yes, yeah, so interesting is certainly. A, a good summation of it. Um, this is Knife Plus Heart. I wonder what Vanessa Paradis been up to lately. Thought no one. But the answer, it appears, is that she's starring as Anne in Jan Gonzalez's Un Couture Dance Le Coeur. I think that's how you pronounce it in French. Uh, this is set Impeccable. in. Impeccable. Yes. Impeccable, Scott. Jean Claude Pierre Baguette Baguette. Uh, this is. <laughs> Uh, set in... Glad you didn't say a ho 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 The onions are on my bicycle. Set in 1979, she's playing a producer of low-rent Parisian pornography, reeling from her recent split with her lover and editor, Kate Moran's Louis. Uh, Louis could no longer deal with Anne's controlling nature, but we don't really have to deal with that for very long, before the film morphs into a slasher, as the cast of Anne's film seemed to be targeted for death by a dude in a leather face mask and a dildo with a retractable knife. At which point, well, if the film's not taking itself seriously, I don't see why I should. It flicks around between Anne using these events as inspiration for the continued production of her films before briefly crossing genre into some sort of fantasy while she attempts to find out who's behind the killings and then back into slasher territory for the bloody end. Now, I normally have a soft spot for this sort of ill-advised lunacy and I'd quietly allowed myself to hope that this was shaping up to sit alongside Mandy, but sadly this hodgepodge of exploitation, relationship melodrama, giallo-esque slasher and weird, presumably purposefully awfully realised fantasy elements never cohere into anything worthy of your, or certainly my, attention. It has something of the the feel of a film that's trying to position itself uh, from the off as a cult classic, which just feels cynical. That's a status that's bestowed by an audience, not created by the filmmaker, and this has something of an air of desperation to it. I'll give it this. I was never bored, as you could never be quite sure what nonsense it was going to throw at you next, and for that reason I can't say that I hate it. Who knows, maybe you're in the market for something incredibly strange and irredeemably French and this will scratch that itch and become a firm favourite of yours the way, for example, something like Tetsuo the Iron Man did for me as a youth. After all, that's no less weird a concept. However, given that I didn't really like Knife Plus Heart all that much, I'm not going to recommend that you roll that dice. At least not until those dice appear on a streaming service that you're already paying for. Yes, it's... Of the films we've spoken about today, easily the most interesting of them, um, but sadly not one that's actually any good. It's just outright weird. Uh, And if you're in the mood for something that is just plain weird, 
this might do you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's one of the most guarded recommendations that I can give. And uh, yes, I yeah, it didn't quite it didn't quite cohere into anything for me. Just uh, it throws a lot of things on the wall, but I don't think any of it really sticks. And yes, not really a great use of your time. Well, that is a film that you saw. That's yes. certainly the case. Yes, I can scratch that one off the list. I suspect <laughs> this will not be a film that I will also be seeing. Mm, no. <laughs> not Mandy out of ten. Yes. <laughs> yes, watch Mandy out of ten instead. Well, that's mostly it. Have any feedback on Twitter, Scott? Something from the Chopper Fireball guys? Indeed. Guys? Guys? Guy. Well, guy more, really. Yes, uh, at Chopper Fireball on his Wizards, Hobson Shaw is a lot harder work than it should be, which is a fairly concise summation, I think, of what we said for about 15 minutes. So, uh, yes, it's, <laughs> it's, there's, it could have been good, but yeah, it kind but of it wasn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's your lot. We will be back with you soon enough, but until that time, if you do want to get in touch with us, then please do so. You can do so on the Twitters. We're there at FudsOnFilm. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash FudsOnFilm, or you can email us, podcast at FudsOnFilm.com. So, thank you very much for your attention, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.